Welcome to Business Therapy, the podcast that explores the intersection of business and mindfulness. In this show, we bring you stories and expert insights on how mindfulness can help you succeed in your career and lead a more fulfilling life. Let's talk about it on Business Therapy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Business Therapy, Episode 72. I'm Sam Drawshack, and I'm here with my co-host, Jonathan Adams. Hey, everyone. And today, we're very excited to welcome Gina Mullicone-Long. Welcome to the show, Gina. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Today, we're going to talk with Gina about um, some topics that are close to her domain of expertise, NLP, hypnosis, and timeline therapy. We may not have time to, to touch on all of them, but Gina's going to really try to walk us through what those are and give us some more detail about how they're applied. But before we jump into that, Gina, I'd love if you could give our audience a little bit more background about yourself and what brings you to the show today. Oh, well, thanks. Um, what brings me to the show today, I think, is, is, as you were saying, so my obsession in my entire life since I was a child has always been the intersection of mind and matter. And it, it wasn't always clear to me how that was a real thing. But um, I've spent my career uh, trying to help others reveal greatness. That's that's the that's literally when I get out of bed in the morning. And it's distinct because it implies greatness is already there in them. And my job is to help them get there faster and with less effort. And what I found was that when we could employ um, intangible, more like mind body techniques, we could get there faster and with less effort. And so I've sort of synthesized the left brain and the right brain when it comes to getting results and have made it our life's work to um, to bring that to people so that they can reach those uh, pinnacle moments faster and with less effort. It's my jam. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that sounds right up our alley also. And I guess that's a great segue too to hearing about some of your specialities. So in whatever order it makes the most sense, what we're interested in and having you on the show is this this concept that you're an expert in NLP, hypnosis and timeline therapy. I would love to hear a little bit more about what some of those are. And like I said, don't feel like you have to do them all one at, one at a time or however it makes the most sense. Yeah, well, you know, what's weird is, um, so I have an undergraduate degree in engineering. And I have a graduate degree in the mass, in a, a master's in the philosophy of science and religion. <laughs> Those two things are very different, but very similar. And so as an engineer, when I got into this space, for me, it was about, could we find the system that makes this stuff go faster? And so I started just applying things from my engineering background to the mind and to, you know, to results in business, because my career was always in business. And what ended up happening was I wrote a book called The Secret of Successful Failing, and someone accused me of writing a book about NLP and not giving it any credit. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And um, so when I looked into it and obviously ultimately got trained in it, uh, what I discovered with NLP, and that's where I like to start because it's the most basic, is that it's a mechanistic model that hacks the mind. Well, that's like an engineer's dream. But um, my book, the, the back cover of the book, you know, there, there's a title. Uh, it said, failure is feedback. And she was like, well, that's like basic NLP. And I was like, well, it's also the title of my undergraduate thesis <laughs> So, in engineering. So anyway, um, that's how I got into it. And so what NLP really is, I mean, the, the words, let's say what the acronym is, because they're all acronyms, right? So neuro-linguistic programming. Right out of the gate, you're like, whoa. So neuro, nervous system, very, very simple. Brain, Mitsu, nervous system. Okay, that's it. Brain, Mitsu, nervous system. Language, linguistic, it's everything we say outside and inside our heads. And then programs are the habits that we use to get stuff done. 
And the NLP is the link between our nervous system, our language, and our habits. So really, in a nutshell, it's the study of success and how to replicate it using the language of the mind. That's NLP in a nutshell. Now, what is it actually? It's a bunch of techniques. It was created by a guy, uh, by two guys, uh, John Grinder, Richard Bandler, back in the 70s, you know, when this was really exploding. And all they did was model excellence in various fields and then turn them into steps. So it's a, hmm. it's a bunch of scripts and steps, really. That's it. <laughs> could you give, Gina, can you give an example of that, of like, uh, of, of, of this pattern or cycle? Sure. I could give you a million examples, but I want to give you one that blew my mind because it, I never used to think of it as a big deal. Although it was one of my favorite things that I teach at the, at the entry level of NLP, but it, it's like three lines on a page. It didn't even have a slide. And, but I thought it was a big deal. And it was the most wrong question on every test I ever gave. It's called the agreement frame. Now, I threw it up on a two-minute video on social media, and it broke broke things down. It's, it's trending to 300,000 views. So apparently, it's more useful than I ever thought. Um, and what the agreement frame does is it's a linguistic technique, and it allows you to have a difficult conversation or talk to somebody you're in conflict with without... So by displacing the conflict and, even more importantly, getting them to keep listening to your point of view, which apparently quite valuable. And I can teach it to you in like, I don't know, minute and a half. So when most people are talking to someone else, especially in a, a conflict type situation, they always say things, well, if they're listening at all, but they always say things like, okay, I understand what you're saying, but blah, blah, blah. And those two phrases are literally an internal cue to stop listening. Like literally, first of all, you can never understand someone else's point of view because, um, and this is a bit of NLP, there are millions and billions and trillions of bits of information our mind can use, but our brain can only process 126 bits a second, which means the probability that two people process the same 126 bits a second is almost zero, which relegates the phrase, I understand, to be false. And we all know it. So when you use it, the other person inside, not outside, Inside, they go, eh, I'm not listening. And but, but's just a killer. It's like a sentence killer. So instead, what we say is if you're trying to connect to someone, instead of saying, I understand, pick one of the three following phrases. Say, I appreciate that perspective, if you do, or I agree with you, if you do, or, you know, if none of that works, I can respect your perspective. So agree, appreciate, or respect. And then you use the conjunction and to link it to your idea. So instead of saying, I understand, but what you would say is, hey, I totally agree with that, that point of view. I'm, I'm actually in the same boat as you and my idea is blah. Or you say, um, I can appreciate where you're coming from there and my idea is blah. Or you say, listen, I respect your point of view. I respect your individual perspective. And here's what I thought of, or here's my idea or whatever. And those, that subtle change in language changes everything in the interaction, right? So that's just an example. I mean, that's, there are so many techniques in NLP, but that's a, a quick one that's really suited to this environment where we're talking and people are listening because they can now start using that right away. Mm -hmm. And the idea, the idea there that links it back to NLP, I'm trying to make sure I understand. Yeah. Or now maybe I shouldn't use that term. I understand if I understood yeah. what you're saying, but well, it's okay to use it in a comprehension standpoint. I respect right. it. At least. Yeah. 
Well, I guess, yeah, because we're not arguing. But the idea is you're changing the way that your internal programming or your internal processes are associated with words you're using as a means to change behavior. Is that well, on the right interestingly track? enough, you're changing theirs. So see, because when you're communicating with someone else, all you can do is what you are. You, you, they're never going to see it the way you see it. There are things you can do to make that worse. There are things you can do to make that better, right? The goal in any communication is that we actually see it exactly the same way. We, we totally get each other, but that's never going to happen in an interaction. If you can get close with the people that you have lots of rapport with, that what the technique does is it ensures that you're at least not going to make it worse, right? So when, like, think of a customer service experience where you're going crazy and the customer service agent goes, I understand how you must be feeling, Mr. Grassert or Jonathan, uh, but this is our policy. Like, you go crazy, right? So now imagine you're the receiver of your communication, so whoever you're talking to, Understanding, but actually makes them not angry is not the right word, but it, it agitates them using linguistic techniques like appreciate, agree or respect and the conjunction and smooths their reception of your communication. So it's more likely to be received as intended, which obviously then makes the result happen better, faster and with less effort. Mm -hmm. So it. Language changes internal representation, both for you and the person you're communicating with, with this particular technique. Did, does the technique or have, has the technique also been applied for like someone's rumination? So internal dialogue? Well, sure. I mean, here's an, here's a, here's an NLP technique that's addresses the internal dialogue, right? Cause a lot of people, no, not a lot of people, everybody has a voice in their head. Jonathan, Sam, everybody listening to this interview has a voice in their head. And whether they admit it or not, usually that voice of their own voice is pretty nasty. It says some pretty awful things. You're not good enough. Blah, blah, blah. It just, it comes with the meat suit. The first thing I want to tell people is it's like standard issue. There's nothing you can do about it. Now, you know, what do you do with that? Well, here's a way to use NLP. And what I'm going to use here is called submodalities and submodalities without getting too much into it are the way our mind encodes and gives meaning to everything. So here, everybody do this right now. You guys do this right now. Um, let the voice in your head just start running and let it say the worst things that it says. No matter what they are, just let it go. Stop trying to control it or run it over or whatever, okay? Now, move the location. So locate the voice in your head, cut it into quadrants and locate the voice, top left, back left, okay? Now put it in the opposite place. So if it's at the front, put it at the back. If it's a down, up, left, right. Got it? Okay, now change the sound of the voice to Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Darth Vader, whatever works for you to detach the power. And it has to be something hilarious, right? And as soon as you move the location of the voice and change the sound, it can say whatever it wants. It's completely irrelevant. And the neuro aspect of it, um, has it been shown to actually change like the, 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 the processing, like going forward? Like, is it beyond just the, um, the, in the moment in time, or does it make somebody more connected, you know, able to connect or 
Like, like, is it recreating patterns in the sure, brain? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, the only way to make a pattern in your brain is to repeat it over and over again until it's dominant, right? Neurons that fire together, wire together. So, um, doing it, I was going to say that you can do this once. It'll like, you guys just did it. It was pretty cool, right? And the minute you stop doing it, the voice pops back to where it is. And then, okay. So you got to do it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. People are like, Oh my God, really? I'm like, well, did you see the karate kid? Wax on, wax off. Like, you have to do it until that's how you do it. And, and what we're hoping for, and, and when I work with private clients, um, they, they, we have a breakthrough, right? Which, you know, if you can see on my blackboard, it's a change point. But that's the beginning of the work. When you, when you first produce the behavior, the work's not done till it's dominant. It has to become a dominant habit. Otherwise it's useless because you'll just revert backwards when you're under pressure. So my goal when I'm working with a private client is to give them a task such that the task becomes more painful than the way they've done it before. So that they just, they're just like, I'm done with it. Okay. I, I, I'm not doing this voice thing in my head anymore because doing the changing the voice in my head takes too much time. So I've just made it permanent, right? Like I've just, I've just made it permanent so that it's, it's no longer an issue. They make it dominant because, you know, it gets too, so repetitive and boring quite frankly, that they just start doing it the way that's powerful. You know, Sam and I actually spend quite a bit of time on the voice in our heads. That's, that's why I brought it back because I want to see, I was interested in the technique applied there. Um, yeah, it's very famous. I mean, I do that one in audiences because I can do it in two minutes. Yeah, I've never done that. that that's very interesting. Um, and anybody who's listening who knows anything about NLP is like, um, that's just like submodality, super basic. I'm like, yeah, see, it's the beautiful little basic things in NLP that usually cause the most transformation. Mm -hmm. And then again, at a high level, it's really so the NLP practice is rewiring in a way some of how we use language and how it affects our behavior. I guess I'm still grasping at, you know, at a high level, what is the domain or what is the discipline? That's exactly it. Basically what okay. we're doing is, so NLP is a mechanistic model. And, and one of the things we do in our company, which is called Greatness U, is we only use mechanistic models. So I'll talk about the other two because they're all mechanistic models. We actually mm -hmm. use seven, but NLP, timeline therapy and hypnosis are number four, five, and six for us. And a mechanistic model means that you, you act as if the mind is a machine. Okay. It doesn't mean the mind is definitively a machine. So we're clear. I actually don't think that at all. But when we take the perspective that the mind's a machine, then we can tinker with the things in the machine. And when we tinker with the things in the machine, the machine runs better. So what NLP gives us access to is the, is the things inside the machine, right? The, the thoughts, feelings, habits, processes that create our behaviors. It's sort of, we all assume our behaviors are strictly unconscious but you can back them up to their conscious steps. And then you can see where in the behavior, the step is missing or wrong or upside down or the, the behavior doesn't exist at all. And then you can change that and then set it back in motion. So it's sort of like upgrading computer software, right? That's what NLP is in a high level if we're going for the metaphor, which mm -hmm. is your body is the hardware and your programs or your habits or your patterns are the software. And so NLP allows you to change the software. Mm -hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Thank you for that analogy. And, and then more nuanced question that I had about the inner voice exercise in particular. So if one trains himself to, let's say, disempower their inner voice in a way, changing its location, changing its voice, yep. 
is there a time where the inner voice is productive or is the inherent? Oh, sure. This is only when it's a problem. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, if your voice is, if you've got your inner voice trained to tell you how wonderful you are and great you are and lovely you are, you let that shit rip. It's only when it's causing you a problem, you know, and that typically shows up under stress, like you're about to perform or you're about to ask somebody an intimate question or whatever, then it's like, <laughs> so that's when you want to be like, just, you know, because, you know, you could do it with, with, with years, possibly decades of meditation. You can get silence in your head, right? It's yeah. just, it's a lot of work. And if you're not in a meditative state, it's right back where it was. So what, what NLP tends to give you are techniques you can use in the problem state. Mm -hmm. And if you do them from within the problem, the boundaries of the problem disappear. Got it. Well, and then not to throw us too far off of rails, but the introduction of the meditative state, do you consider this mechanistic model in a way a shortcut around that meditative state? Complementary? Do you still recommend that people cultivate oh, yeah. both? Oh, for sure. For sure. Because one of the, so we have seven mechanisms. Mechanism number three that we use, we call the performance triad. And in the performance triad, which is inside the mind body, we say, um, you've got to focus on what you want. So focus is one leg. You've got to choose positive emotions and you've got to have a physiology of power. Now, physiology of power, that's where meditation fits in because you've got to make sure that you're, that you are, you know, making, um, ensuring that your container, your physiology, your meat suit, call it what you want is operating at its peak. And meditation, as you know, if you've seen any of the studies, especially on TM, Transcendental Meditation, because Maharishi did a ton of study on it. So there's a ton of knowledge on TM shows optimal neural performance when you're in a meditative state, right? And post state, and it's carried, you know, you can carry it throughout the day. So that's part of a peak performer and it's part of the physiology and that's absolutely essential so this it doesn't replace at all it's it's sort of a parallel thing right they're not mutually exclusive in terms no. of modalities great well that might be not to short us on nlp but does it make sense to move on to hypnosis because sure. I mean, you mentioned they're all in a package them. yeah I'll, I'll link them together for you because I, I get where the interest is so because they're all mechanistic models um, that means they work uh, to work on this or that, you know, whatever the piece is. And they are all step-by-step. Uh, step. They're steps. They're, they're things you literally read step one, step two. And, and in timeline therapy, it's a different perspective. So NLP is very uh, logical, very mind-focused, very um, conscious, you know, behavior patterns-focused. Timeline therapy is different, but the same. So both techniques work with the programs that are stored in the unconscious part of our mind, right? So we have a conscious mind, which is the part of your mind you're aware of, right? Imagination, logic, goal setting, all your senses. Then we have the unconscious part of your mind, which is the part of your mind you're just not aware of. Like it, it runs the body, it breathes you, it does your digestion, it, it does all your emotions. It's the domain of all of your emotional responses. And it is the in charge of storing all your memories and all your time. So in, in any of the techniques that we teach, it's always work consciously with what's in the unconscious mind. Okay. So it's work consciously out on the table, like a mechanic with what's unconscious. So Jonathan, what's your phone number? And you, you know, or just what's a, what's a phone number that, you know, just say anyone. 
that you happen to know is a phone number. Say one. Oh, say yeah, number? For real. I'm just trying to think like whose number would I business number. <laughs> yeah. like, just replace number just name a number and replace one digit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So two one two six eight 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 eight. Great. So you're not sitting there the whole time going, I got to remember my phone number. I got to remember that phone number. I got to remember that phone number. When somebody says, what's the phone number for the pizza place or what's the phone number for the business? You call it up. What happens is you consciously call up your, the phone number from the unconscious storage. That's what you're doing. That's the mechanism of what you're doing. So timeline therapy is a mechanistic model that leverages the temporal perspective. That means the perspective of time to enable the actual release of negative emotions and limiting beliefs and decisions that prevent you from getting what you want. So what happens, the reason why people stumble in getting what they want in life is they're, they're held back by something that's happened in the past right? So it's either something they decided or something they decided to believe or a negative emotion, uh, like emotional baggage, we would call it. And it, and it, and it sits resident in the nervous system, preventing them from changing any behavior. Okay. So you've heard this, I mean, emotional baggage is the colloquial way we talk about it. So what timeline therapy does is it leverages the notion that your life is actually a timeline. It's a, it's a linear sequence of events. That's how we represent it. Now, if we were having a scientific conversation, I would say that, that time is actually a variable, but that's like a totally different conversation. Our minds, and for the most part, most of us, not all of us, kind of have this agreement that time is linear. We measure time linear. And therefore, our life is measured in a linear line. And so knowing that mechanism of the timeline, we can use very specific techniques and some of them are very mathematically uh, oriented. They're, they're because of the Cartesian coordinates, yada, 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 to set yourself up to visualize these problems along the timeline from a specific perspective using specific language that allows you to completely reframe the event that's causing the problem, which immediately causes a release of the emotion. The body stops responding that way and the mind is now clear from the program and then you can replace it with whatever it is you want or need. True story. This is not a metaphor. You can literally change your timeline by using timeline therapy. When you say change the timeline, do you mean change the timeline or change the memory of an event? Well, see, memory is a, is a questionable thing. Elizabeth Loftus showed um, that memory is subjective. So actually what you think are your memories aren't necessarily factual, they're symbolic. They might be factual, but they might not be. But what does happen when we drag stuff forward is there's the facts about what happened, like the events, and then there's the meaning we assign to it. The meaning is not um, a given. The meaning is what you, you do in your head. And so it's the meaning Nor that's the causing facts. the problem. Yeah. Nor are the facts often. Well, well, this is what Elizabeth Loftus showed in her book, which, which sometimes the facts aren't even true, right? Yeah. So memory is a, an enigma in and of itself. But, but what timeline therapy allows you to do is actually change the, the and I'm going to use in brackets here, the impact of the past. Because you can't change the events of your past. But you can 100% change the meaning of your past. And if you just try to do that lying on the couch on a Sunday, it could work. 
it, when you, we do it in timeline therapy, because it's a mechanistic model and it has steps and positions and they're all sort of for a reason, it works all the time. And so one of the things I say to people, and I can't really show it on a, on a podcast, but if you could imagine, um, your life as a timeline. In fact, you know what? We could do it right now. It's not difficult. You want You guys want to just, so you guys can have something to work with. People listening can have something to work with. Sure. That's how you get your timeline. Now, just so we're clear, it's not like an aura. Okay. It's not something I see or that anybody can see. It's not like Steve Martin when he used to put the arrow through his head or whatever. That's not what we're talking about. Okay. We're talking about a concept that you can visualize. Now, visualization, as you guys know for sure, is one of the most powerful techniques that all peak performers can be doing, right? Like every peak performing athlete on the planet has a visualization plan. No question. They visualize their races. The University of Chicago showed that um, visualization was almost as good as doing the thing in person if you've ever read the basketball study. So we know that visualization is real for the mind. So when you visualize your timeline, you can work with it like it's real. Once you have a timeline, then you can do all the techniques. So here's how you get the visualization of your timeline. I want you guys to think about, or, or answer the question out loud. You know, what was the last restaurant you ate at? What was the last place you, what was the last restaurant you went to that you ate at? Could be Subway. I don't care. Outback Steakhouse. Cool. Carmelo's. Okay. Carmelo's. Cool. Now, did you notice the memory came from somewhere that where you were, when you were last eating there? Do you notice it came from somewhere? It's like a PowerPoint transition. Now, what's for sure going to be happening to you in the next couple of weeks? Are you going for brunch or going, taking your kid to a music class or like something that you know is kind of for sure going to be happening in the next couple of weeks? Anything? I'll be having a baby. Oh, well, that's kind of cool. All right. That's the only thing so I know for certain. How- Right. Well, you do, though, because your wife's probably got a bit of a situation going on there, right? So those two things exist in different places with respect to your body. Those Mm -hmm. two, we can't really call the future a memory, but you know what I mean? Those two events kind of exist in different places. And so your body is a reference point for your mind laying out your timeline. It uses your body as the now, and then it it uses it to reference where the past is and where the future is. So the future, the past could be behind you, beside you, above you. It doesn't matter. The future could be in front of you, beside you, below you, above you. It doesn't matter, but they're in different places. So now what I'd like to do, and I know this is weird, but you just got to go with it. Otherwise it doesn't work. Trusting that your unconscious mind knows what's right for you. There's no right way to do this. What I'm going to ask you to do right now is trusting it knows where your past is. Just point to where your past is. Don't think, just point. You'll have an indication to point one way or the other. Good. Now point to where your future is. Good. Notice how they're in different places? Mm -hmm. Notice how they make a line. That's your timeline. That's it. It's that significant. And if you closed your eyes, you could imagine that line. That it passes from, you know, it looked like it was your lower left to your upper right or whatever. It can be straight. It can be squiggly. It can be spiraled. It doesn't matter. That's your timeline. And your memories are stored. The past in the side of the past, the future in the side of the future. That's it. That's literally it. That's all you need. Now, what we can do at that timeline is a number of different things. Because 
We have problems from the past. We have some problems in the future. That's where all anxiety comes from, right? Fear of the future. Uh, we have issues being in the now. And we can use the timeline to change all that because the timeline is our life. And it's our attachment to the way it was that's preventing us from doing something in the future. So we use the timeline as the mechanism. So sometimes I say things uh, to people, which is the future that you want depends on the past that you choose. Now, Jonathan brought up a good point earlier. He said, well, you can't change the events in your past. Well, no, you can't, but you can change their meaning. And the minute you change your meaning, you change the past. The minute you change the past, you change the future because things that were not possible are now possible. It, it's literally the most powerful technique I teach. And, it, and mm -hmm. it's the hardest for people to grasp because it involves so much visualization that they don't trust themselves to visualize correctly. Yeah. So just a quick one there. When you're talking about changing the association then, so let's say that I can visualize past event that has some, some significance for me. What's yeah. the mechanism you use to change that association? Or like you said, how do you manipulate that visualization for a positive outcome? Okay, so here, I'll use, a, again, if this is useful or if it's not useful, let me know. But I like doing things that people can do right out of your podcast because it's sure. value in the podcast. So instead of doing the past, which actually requires a lot more setup, I like to do anxiety and worry because it's fear of the future. Almost every business person on the planet's worried about something, right? Or parent or whatever. So it's a really useful technique and it's really, really quick once you have a timeline. All right. Now what you're noticing and you guys are noticing, and I can tell because I keep asking you these questions and you keep having to answer these specific questions is that all of this work requires specificity. You can't do this work in generalization because it's everything that you're experiencing is specific to you, right? So you, you can't do it in generalizations because then you're not talking about you. We're just talking about theories. So anxiety and worry is no exception. So you guys already have a timeline, right? You already know where your timeline is. So that's handy. Um, before we do the process, I want to teach you one more thing about your timeline. Okay. So if everybody's listening and those of you who are driving, just maybe pull over and do this part <laughs> later. Um, so here's what you got to do before I teach you the process, which will take 30 seconds. Um, I want to teach you how to drive the timeline. So just close your eyes and just call your timeline to mind. So it's in front of you. Maybe it passes through you. It goes, whatever. It doesn't matter. However you do, it's correct. Maybe it's colored. Then you have to imagine you're Superman or Superwoman and you float up above your timeline. So now you're visualizing through your own eyes, your timeline down on the ground. Okay. And then that perspective is what we're going to need to use uh, for the technique to erase worry and anxiety. So just face the future end of your timeline, look down and you can sort of see, you know, you're sitting there in your green shirt or your blue shirt or whatever. The future is out in front of you. The past is behind you. You're facing the future. And then just drop back down into the room you're sitting in. Uh, open your eyes. So that's the uh, extent of the difficulty of the technique. And now you just have to do what I say. So Two things have to happen for anything to change in your life. Any neural network to change, any result to change, any behavior to change is you have to really want it to change. You have to have a burning desire and you have to have a willingness to give it what it takes. So do you guys want to be free of a worry or an anxiety? Yes. Okay. Now you got to want it. And then you got to do what I say, which is you got to be willing to give it what it takes. And I'm going to walk you through the technique and people who are listening can literally follow along and do it. You have to do exactly what I say. And when I say exactly, I mean like 
precisely nitpicking. You have to do what I say, the words, the way I say it. So first thing you have to do is you have to have something specific you're anxious about. It, it can't be general. Now, you don't have to tell me what it is, but it has to be something specific. And what I recommend for the first time when you do this is it should it should be something minor that you're not like super attached to. Um, you know, like, is that going to be done on time? Is this going to air on time? Is that uh, whatever? Okay. Just something that you get anxious. Is there going to be traffic on my way home? That kind of stuff. Is the plane going to be on time? Am I going to be late for the wedding? Stuff like that. Okay. But it has to be a specific thing. It can't be general. It can't be like, am I going to have a good Christmas? It has to be specific. Okay. Do you have a specific event? Okay. And it's in the future? Yes. And you're worried about it. Okay, great. Close your eyes. Envision your timeline. Good. Now, float up above your timeline. Float way above now, looking down on your timeline. Start to float over the future of your timeline and keep going, looking down on your timeline, until you get to exactly and precisely 15 minutes past the successful completion of the event you think you're worried about. Go all the way to 15 minutes past the successful completion of the event you think you're worried about. Rotate your body 180 degrees. Look down the past end of your timeline and notice the anxieties disappeared. Just notice you're 15 minutes beyond the successful completion of the event you thought you're worried about. Stay above the timeline. Come all the way back to now. Come back into the room. How was it? And, and by the way, there's no wrong answer. So don't worry about sugarcoating anything for me. How was it, was, it? It was good for me. I mean, because like I said, here? yeah, because the birth is imminent for me. So it's a very specific, sure. you right, know, that's uh, like the per a little bit heavy. I knew that's what you were doing though. Um, <laughs> yeah. But listen, this is a, a very, very useful technique. In fact, we used it when we were having our babies to manage our state so that we would remain in resourceful states instead of states filled with fear. Yeah, there is a natural relaxation effect when you're looking down the timeline and considering it as a past event. You don't even have to like in my visualization, you don't even see the event, how it transpired because you're sitting in the successful outcome. So it's hard to be anxious about the past. That's timeline therapy in a nutshell. Literally, that's it, because it's temporal perspective. The reason why people do anxiety is because they're imagining it. They don't realize this, but in the mechanism of their mind, they're imagining it turning out badly. That's what the anxiety is trying to tell them. See, everybody's got it like anxiety is a problem. Anxiety is a problem if you let it run. If you don't check anxiety, it wreaks havoc in the meat suit. If you feel anxiety, the minute you feel it, one of my mechanisms is called snap. Stop, notice, alter, proceed. Stop what you're doing, notice it's anxiety, alter it by using that technique I just taught you, then proceed. What it does is it returns you back to focusing on what you want, put you back in a resourceful state, then you can think clearly. That's it. But let's say the anxiety is being caused by the fact that you don't want something that you think you should want. I don't even understand the question. Unpack that for me. So you said one of the, one of the prongs is you need to want to change it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Whatever you need mean. to want to change the fact that you're doing an anxious, an anxious response. Not that you have, yeah. So you, you have to just change that you, that you have an anxious response to it. You have to change that you're doing anxiety. You have to want to give it up. You know, some people are like addicted to their worry, right? Like, yeah. like 
my my mother was um, Eastern European. My dad's Italian. We're talking generations of professional warriors here. So let's say you don't want to give up that worry. Then like then how do you? I'm not the worry police. No, I'm saying, but there's no, okay. Okay. I, I, I thought you could just keep digging the, like, like applying the technique until you get to what here's in fact thing. you. Here's the thing. I'm not the worry police. I'm not the greatness police. You do, you do you like whatever works for you. My only thing I ask, I ask one question ever to any potential client. How's that working for you? If it's working, do it. If it's not though, do what it takes to, to change it. But see, anxiety is a, is a warning signal. It's actually one of the most beneficial built-in signals of the meat suit, if you pay attention to it. Because it's a warning signal that your focus went to what you don't want. And you guys have heard, you get what you focus on. Everybody's heard that, mm-hmm. right? So wouldn't you want an alarm signal that like catch, caught it when you did it unconsciously? Obviously, if you have negatives, you're speaking like, you know, negative things and la, 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 that's conscious. But wouldn't you want an alarm signal that was like caught your subtle unconscious patterns? The minute you focus on what you don't want, every single time you will feel anxiety. Every time. And unless, you know, like I always say to people, they say, oh, I can't, I can't stop doing it. No, no, no. Can't means won't. Yeah. And so I, I appreciate the technique very much in terms of definitely in terms of the observer status, like anytime you can take anything and put yourself in the observer instead of this, you know, prime, prime person, then, you know, changes the dynamic dramatically. I struggle with the time thing a little bit only because I spend so much of my, I've spent so much, so much time, uh, practicing, not being subjected to time. So I don't care, you know, when, if I'm looking at my past, I select the lessons that, you know, I, I want to learn from it, but I don't have, uh, uh, I don't have that kind of baggage or in the future, I also try and think ahead to, like you said, it being successful, but I don't, uh, I'm, I, I try just being like, even when you said, where's your f- past and your future? Like my instinct was to point to my heart, you know, like just, just right. instinctively, no, no, but I'm saying, but, uh, are there, is the linear time element of it essential or is there another way to frame it? Uh, it's that it sequential. Um, if you, it, it's sequential, you use the word spent, which is the past tense, which means you do have a temporal perspective. Uh, everyone does hundred percent. Right. That's yeah, my have, point. It doesn't have right. to be straight. It could be circular. It could be spiraled. What, what's unique is the past is in a different place than the future. They're not, they're not all in one place for the timeline, for the timeline. That's how we work. If you, you, if you know, yesterday was yesterday and tomorrow's tomorrow and you're relating to it in that way, I'm not saying in the, in the, in the deep conscious moment where you're in the, in the middle of the now and there's nothing else. I mean, that's literally the best place on earth. We tend not to walk around in our meat suits though, in that place right? We tend to operate, especially when we're working in the 3D world with people and business and whatnot, we tend to operate with this agreement that yesterday was yesterday and tomorrow is tomorrow. So what we do is we bounce off that mechanism to keep you, ironically, in the now, right? Which is anxiety is an emotion you're feeling, say, for example, now or worry, in the now, that is the one of the least productive states you can be in. And as a peak performer, I can't think of a worse state to be in 
The fastest way to get out of it is to unlock the mechanism that caused it in the first place, which is you've unconsciously focused something in your future going badly. Like, ah! so you use the mechanism of linear time, go up over. And, and Sam was right. He said, as soon as I, as soon as I was past it, it was over because when something goes well, we tend not to be anxious about it. So, right. It's like our, our minds know how to relate to that in a linear fashion. So it's not that I'm not saying, by the way, in fact, I'm saying the opposite, just so we're clear. Glass of wine, conversation, time is vertical. That's not what we're talking about here. We're yeah. talking about this agreement that we all have yesterday was yesterday. Tomorrow's tomorrow. It really we is. leverage it. Yeah, it's, it's a visualization technique that is really working with relational concepts more than, and we're just, because like you mentioned earlier, even variable time is not something we need to blow everyone's mind with this conversation. But for people who are experiencing nonlinear time, your visualization would just be unpacked in a different orientation. It's more about the totally. relational associations than anything. Yeah. You'd be like, so Jonathan, you can have, you can unpack your simultaneous existence in just a heart shape if you want, as long as you understand. No, no, I, I, I get where you're going, Jonathan, a hundred percent. Like, let's have this conversation on the side, but you know, some people are driving right yeah. now. We don't want their heads to explode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are, are there, are there uh, in the study of like peak people, are there uh, natural instincts or natural ways that they're uh, absorbing this without being trained in it or like, well, I think, you know what, is this my observation? So I, I employ timeline therapy as probably my number one tech tool and technique because it's so powerful because we don't even realize how much of our habit, how much of our strategies and programs are unconsciously decided from, well, usually um, before the age of seven. And so what I found though, in people who are already what we would consider to be baseline successful, like the average person would go, yeah, that's a successful person by whatever measure. They have a different way of approaching problem, period. In fact, I met one guy once who said he didn't have any problems, to which I rolled my eyes back in my head because uh, <laughs> I had just written a book called The Secret of Successful Failing. And he said, I don't, I don't have any problems. And I was like, oh, God. And he was like, no, 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 no. Wait, I, I see. You know, he kind of had the sensory acuity to see that. And he said, it's not that I don't have obstacles. I have lots of obstacles, but I always find a way around them. And I was like, oh, tell me more about that. Because that's an interesting use of word, right? And uh, he said, oh, and he named 10 of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. Like, like not even at the, not even in the, like in the top seven was his house burned to the ground twice. Okay. So this guy had things in his life that we would all be like, holy crap. And I said, and you don't view them as problems. He said, well, they're just what happened and they're obstacles. And I've absolutely had to adapt and pivot and blah, blah, blah. And this was like 20 years ago. And I was like, um, who the hell are you? <laughs> like, and then he told me who he was. I'm not, I'm not going to give it away, but the guy was one of the five richest people in America at the time. And, uh, and he was on the cover of a very, very famous magazine. And I was like, are you, are you kidding? I said, do you have other billionaire friends? He said, yeah. I said, do you guys, do they have problems? And he goes, no, fuck no, we don't use that word. That was before I learned NLP. Then I learned NLP, okay, about two years later. The word problem, the word problem itself is not a noun, except we use it like a noun. We say, I have a problem, okay? I have a pen. That's a person, place, or thing. I can put it in a wheelbarrow. I can't put my problem in a wheelbarrow. 
right? I can't, which means it's not a noun linguistically. If we were being precise with language, it's not a noun. And in NLP, we classify it as what's called a nominalization, which is a process word that's been frozen in time so we could linguistically use it without breaking grammar rules as a noun. If it's a process word, it's not something you have. It's something you do. Now just let that sink in. Problem is not a noun, it's a verb. We don't have problems, we do them, we make them, we enforce them, but they're not nouns. They're process words. So what NLP does, and that's just an example of linguistic precision, is when you understand that problem is something you do, you have power because you can now undo it. Now, it might not be easy to undo it, or it could be as simple as float above your of the concept of your timeline and just imagine it completing successfully. And it takes 30 seconds and just do it because you want to be in a resourceful state now. That's it. It's like it in a nutshell. That's it. Do you guys want to hear the hypnosis before we close? I think if you if you feel it wouldn't cheapen it that you could do it, it quickly, we'd be fact, we'd be happy to hear. It'll be, it. it'll be such a sweet bookend. It's a head exploder. Let's do it. It's literally the most basic thing I teach. I'll give you the definition, then I'll blow your mind. So the definition of hypnosis is that we establish selective thinking, i.e., a suggestion, while you're in a trance. That's hypnosis. So a trance can be quantified as anything slow alpha brainwave or slower. That's a quantifiable, measurable state. And in that state, we can establish selective thinking or suggestion. Then that is hypnosis. Okay. All advertising is hypnosis. All. TVs and screens induce trance because of the mechanism of the electronic device. It, it, the bit rate causes a trance. That's why people watching screens look like this. Okay. So when you are looking at the screen, you are in a trance. Advertising suggests you buy this or buy that or buy whatever. That's a suggestion. That's why it works. And people always say to me, hypnosis is super weird. Hypnosis is the thing we've heard about the longest. It's the opposite of weird because um, the last I heard, and this could be wrong, but I worked in advertising in the 90s and we used to pay a million dollars for a 30 second spot for the Super Bowl. That number is now pushing 10. It's like 5.6 or 7 million for a 30 second spot. A 30 second spot. You're telling me hypnosis isn't a valuable technique? Now, the thing is, it's being used whether you like it or not, it's not good, bad, right, or wrong. Why wouldn't you use, learn the technique? You don't have to use it, but just learn it just in case you want to tell yourself some things you want yourself to buy. I don't know about the upcoming deal, your ability to do things. Oh, and by the way, just free tip, hypnobirthing, end of conversation. Swear to God. We went through the hypnobirthing program. For this it, it, it is it is phenomenally effective, like yeah. phenomenally. There's nothing more trance inducing than putting another human out your body. <laughs> Just so we're clear. This is the deepest trance she'll ever be in. Yeah. And what she tells herself and what you tell her during that time, tell her directly will be instant manifest. This is easy. You got this. It's a wave, whatever. I'm telling you, because when you accept the selective thinking, that's the state of hypnosis. So I always say to people, it's just a mechanism. 
Just learn it so that you can put it to use for you. It's being used on you all the time. It's okay. Businesses are in business to make money. They're doing what they got to do. It's, it's, a, it's a known fact. Edward Bernays wrote a book in the 20s, 1920s. Sorry, you have to say 1920s now, called Propaganda. It's 100 pages long. It explains everything. Yeah. And then quickly, just to finish that thought for practitioner standpoint, if you were going to engage in self-hypnosis or engage in hypnosis with yourself, as you mentioned, what's just like an easy technique to give us? You just need to get yourself into a trance and then have some way of getting the suggestions into your head. So Mm -hmm. I, I, you could use a music, you can like, there's all kinds, as long as it takes you into a trance, you could watch a kaleidoscope, whatever. There's just, there's all kinds of tracks on, on music programs that induce um, slow alpha. And then if you have, say, recorded the affirmations you want for yourself, you listen to them while you're in that state. Now, here's a key point, because I'm a master trainer of hypnosis. I want you to get it. If you're talking to yourself, if it's your voice that's recorded, it needs to be in in um, the first person because you know you're listening to yourself, like because it, it knows your voice. But if you're listening to someone else give you a suggestion, like you are awesome. It has to be in the second person because you know, when you're listening, that that's not you. It can't say the person, the other person's voice can't say, I am awesome. It has to say you are awesome or whatever, because your mind has to know that it can relax and it'll be cognitively perplexed if someone else is using the first person. Fantastic. Well, I want to say, Thank you so much for not only sharing your knowledge and giving us a perspective on some of the techniques you use, but also even helping us through some practices. I think it's extremely helpful and also insightful. So I really appreciate it. I really think that's the best way because these are just collections of techniques. I mean, John, you know, I would love to talk the philosophy of it till my head explodes, but they're just techniques and, and you don't use them all. But when you need them, to have the ability to change your state, to be able to make a better decision, a better choice, a better state change or whatever, that means you stay in power in more situations than not. And that's the name of the game for us, right? How can you retain your own power? Amazing. Well, with that, do you have any other ultimate closing thoughts or guidance for people who want to connect with you for our audience? Anything along those lines before we close up today? Um, I mean, if people get excited and they want to learn more, it's, I'm super, I'm super jacked and I love to want to teach the people who want to learn. And I want to be clear. You don't have to believe any of it. If it's working, just keep doing it. Honestly, you don't need anything. And if you want something, we've got lots and we're really passionate about greatness. You. So if you just go to greatnessletteru.com and wiggle your way through the website, you'll find what you need. Um, I've got a link tree where I'm always changing it so that my latest webinars, which are free, they're always there. It's always changing so that if you're into this stuff, there are two up there right now. So if you go to Linktree slash Gina Mollicone, it's always changing. So it's yeah. always up to date and it's got links there to get to anything that would really serve you. Um, and I want people to just consider this. Um, everything you need, you already have. Okay. In any technique, all you're doing is getting access to what was already there in the first place. So, so keep seeking for that access. There, there are only two things you need to change anything, the desire to change it and the willingness to give it what it takes. Awesome. Very well said. Thanks again. Next time, we'll try to hit you up. We'll have a drink. We'll talk nonlinear time. 
But for now, totally. <laughs> we just want to ask everyone listening or tell everyone listening, thank you for tuning into Business Therapy. We really appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next week. Thank you very much.